Yeah, we're doing this series on 1 Corinthians 13, on the love of God. And we've spoken a few times about how Christianity is essentially being awakened to the reality that God loves you and has done everything possible for you to be in a relationship with him through the life and the death of the Lord Jesus. And then out of the reality of being awakened to love, we abide and remain and we live in love. And uh, Jesus is the vine with the branches. We get our life from him. And then as an overflow of an awakened, abiding relationship is we love the way that we've been loved with unconditional love. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul addressing this church in Corinth that was often anything but love and uh, doing many things that were the opposite of unconditional love. So Paul addresses them and says, I want to show you a better way. I want to show you what love is. And then he goes through a whole load of statements of love is and love isn't. And I'm going to be talking today about love is always patient and love is always kind. Now I'm going to make a confession. I have a strong craving for a trouble-free life. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. When my plans get interrupted, I feel like it's an alien invasion. They've come from Mars and they've come to take over the planet and I feel actually feel can feel irritated. Anybody else when you get interrupted? Or you're on the DLR and it stops and you know you've got to get somewhere and you might be late. You just feel this tension rise up and we don't like it, do we, when we get a puncture in the car, a wheel, on the way to Disney. That's irritating, that's challenging, or cars overheat, babies crying through the night, or letters that we really wanted to get, get lost in the post, which I guess is an old-fashioned thing. Now it's more like, I did send you the email, and then you realise it was to the wrong address. And I think there's something in our life that wants life to flow according to our plans. And when it doesn't, especially when in our plans are interrupted by people. I think sometimes we can be more forgiving of circumstances and electronic things going wrong, but when it's people, we can be provoked to complain and grumble. Anybody else? Am I the only person here who's ever given into complaining and grumbling? And we can murmur, and we can become angry, and we can become critical. And when that becomes deep in us, by the interruptions, the things that get in the way of our plans, we can be discouraged. And some people's discouragement becomes so great, they withdraw from people. And I think Rochelle mentioned it just then, we might become discouraged and disappointed at God himself. Our plans were interrupted, we had a plan, we had a program, we had a timing, and he isn't operating according to our program, and suddenly we feel wow, this isn't right, we become cynical, maybe disbelief and distrust, and 1 Timothy 1.18 says actually when we don't live with a hopeful patience in the promises of God, we can actually shipwreck our faith, and we see that around us, don't we? We know people who were loving Jesus, and then disappointment came in, interruption came in, they become cynical, they stop believing, they stop trusting, and they start to deconstruct their faith or shipwreck their faith. Let me say to you that if 
you want a simple life. If you want a less painful life, if you want a less troubled life, if you want a life that's never going to be interrupted, this is, this is, if you want that kind of life, you never want any interruption or any discomfort or any difficulty. This is my advice to you. Keep your unconditional love of God's patience and kindness just between you and him. That's my advice. If you want a life with no pain, no difficulty, no disappointment, just keep that experience of patience and kindness just between you and God. Seriously. But if you want to love like God, if you want to love unconditionally, it's going to hurt you. Amen. Seriously. It's going to hurt you. Because you're going to make yourself vulnerable to pain. Amen. If you don't want to be vulnerable, and you don't want any discomfort and pain or any interruption, <laughs> don't love people unconditionally. Amen. <laughs> Teas and coffees. <laughs> Probably won't see you next week. <laughs> the first statement that Paul makes about what agape love does is he, patience, he says, essentially is to suffer long and to endure and bear. Amen. Wow. Mm -hmm. Love is patient. Love suffers long, it endures, and it bears. That's what patience is. The Bible's not fluffy, is it? It's real and honest, and that's really comforting, isn't it? That... The love of God is like that to us. And I, I think when, like it says easily, like Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and, and scorned the shame. But where we really see what it cost him, you see it in Gethsemane where he's so stressed in agony, emotional pain and suffering and endurance, he drips what's drops of blood for what he's going to endure. So to give ourselves to loving other people with agape love that gets expressed with patience and kindness, we're going to have to lay down our really, really strong craving for a trouble-free life. That's going to have to go, and we have to lay it down. And we might be thinking right now, like Jesus in Gethsemane, is there another way? <laughs> is there another way? Is there another way of living the Christian life, but not having to love like God loves? Because I don't want to sweat blood in Gethsemane. <laughs> I don't want to have long-suffering and endure pain mm -hmm. in this pursuit of loving like God. Right. Now there is another way. You just have to just redefine Christianity. Right. All right, so let's do that for a moment. There is a way of living a pain-free life. We just have to change Christianity. So Christianity then is just I connect to God, full stop. 
and I live my life with God. Or, I've reconnected to God and I define following Christ as only attending a meeting every now and then. So now I don't have to love like God. Because what I've, re, I've, re, I've deconstructed Christianity to be the kind of Christianity that gives me comfort so I don't have to lay my life down. Apart from the Bible, Acts is just so obvious that to follow Christ is not primarily about attending a meeting. So the Western church thinks, I'm going to have a comfort-free life, any interruptions like an alien invasion. So what I'll do is I'll make Christianity just about attending a meeting, reconnect to God, but I don't have to give my heart to other people. And then, oh, Christianity is a bit like a restaurant, and I go to a church that's got the best programs. And then when the programs are not that good, I move to another church, which is the sickness of London. So there's, there's every type of church you can have in London. I was brought up in a church when I became a Christian. It was the only charismatic, Bible-believing church. There was one 45 miles down the road in Ipswich. There was another 27 miles away in Norwich. And there was nothing in a town of 90,000. So do you know what we had to do? We had to get on with one another and work it out because there was no choice. <laughs> there were no options. And maybe the truth would be if another church had opened that was a different, was the same flavour and I could have got away, maybe I would have done. <laughs> so, Christianity is not primarily about meetings and programmes. It's actually not even primarily about making conversions of other people. Well, Jesus said, I've got all authority... Go and, go and teach all the nations and uh, to obey the things I've taught. Make disciples, make followers, make apprentices of me. Christianity is this. I've been loved unconditionally. I'm abiding in love. I offer that same love to the world around me unconditionally. Mm. Unconditionally. They need healing. We heal them in the name of Jesus. We don't need to make them pray a prayer then because it's suddenly, it's suddenly conditional. You get your healing, but now I need you to respond in the way I need you to respond. Now, if they then say, who healed me? Jesus healed me. Tell me more about Jesus. I'll tell you more about Jesus. Are there other people like you who go and follow Jesus? Yeah, come with me on Sunday. It's led by the needs of the person in front of you. So if the person in front of you just needs a coffee and needs a friend, you have no agenda but to love them in the way that they need to be loved. When together we relearn how to do life God's way, and that's what discipleship is. Some of you have been on the journey 40, 50 years. You're, going to learn, you're learning to do life God's way and you're further along in your maturity. Someone else is just beginning their journey of faith. But together we're a family relearning to do life God's way. And do you know what happens when we relearn to do life God's way? We're happier, we're wonderfully set free, and we're deeply fulfilled. So, yes, we can choose to keep the unconditional love between us and God 
And you know what? He'll love you just the same. And if you never share your faith with another person, you never serve another human being, you never meet the needs of anybody around you, you do nothing with your faith apart from you just think God loves me, you are still unconditionally loved. If you don't want to ever share your faith with another human being or serve anybody or do anything, you are free and no one can ever ask you to do anything because you can't earn grace. That's why we spent 17 chapters on the New Covenant lens. But if we want to be happier, wonderfully set free, and deeply fulfilled, we are called to love people with the same love we're being loved by. And what happens? People look on and say, wow, you really are his disciples. Christ is glorified. We become salt and our light. We're a city that's on a, on a, on a hill that can't be hidden. We shine into the darkness. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. We're outposts of heaven. We're a touching place where heaven meets earth in us because Christ is in us wherever we go. We go on adventures and missions and wonderful, wonderful things. Stories get multiplied. You become wonderfully who you are and you're going to express unconditional love the way he made you. There's no cookie-cutter Christianity. We all have to look like each other and exactly the same. And so if we're going to love like God then, and we think, yeah, I want that life. That life is compelling. If we're going to love with patience and kindness, then, you know, we're going to need another operating system. You know, like our phones have an operating system, an OS. It runs the whole thing. It's the culture of the heart. How do you get a new operating system? Only the Holy Spirit can cause attitudes and behaviours that align with the nature and the character of God. You can't produce it. You can't make it happen. You can't will it into being. You can't grit your teeth. You can't just say, I'm going to suppress any selfish desire for an uninterrupted life. You can't do it. It's exhausting and overwhelming. Paul says, if we walk by the Spirit, we'll bear the fruit of love. And part of the fruit of love is patience and kindness. Patience and kindness are a fruit of the Holy Spirit, not a walk, a work. As we walk, abide and remain in his love, the Spirit will produce patience. What is patience? A willingness to tolerate delay without debilitating annoyance and anxiety. A capacity to have things not go to plan and not blow up and hit out. He will empower an endurance despite disappointment that can keep loving people despite disappointment. A never quitting kind of love. A supernatural capacity to show self-control, resilience, bounce back, staying power despite difficulties. Grace to express kindness, compassion and sweetness and tenderness and generosity and steadfast commitment to caring for and nurturing the well-being of others. <coughs> See, without the Holy Spirit, all of our patience and all of our kindness will have a limit. It will have a limit because it's not connected to a limitless supply of patience and kindness. And so what can happen is when our good deeds and our servanthood and our sacrifice and service and generosity no longer make us feel good, we withdraw it. And for, I expect it to feel better. Look at the way I'm laying my life down. Or when people don't respond the way we hoped they would, we withdraw our patience and we withdraw our kindness. 
or when we don't see any benefits any longer, we disconnect and withdraw from people and we disconnect and withdraw from God. There are millions of Christians in the UK who are disconnected and withdrawn from people because of disappointment, discouragement and delay. And they withdraw and say, I'm never ever going to be hurt again. They needed to connect to an eternal supply. And just to land, you know those advertising campaigns? If you've ever been to America where they advertise a drug and then they say, this is not recommended to be used by people for a minute. The list goes on and on and on and on, doesn't it? And you think, that sounds so scary. <laughs> Three things to little asterisks by unconditional patience and kindness, okay? Because this is important. Patience and kindness are not superpowers to get other people to do what you want them to do. Mm. That's called control, and that's called manipulation, and that's not a gift for the Holy Spirit, okay? Because some people think, I'll get that person to do what I want by just being really, really patient and really, really kind. Loving people unconditionally does not guarantee they'll do anything you want them to do. No guarantee whatsoever. People ultimately do what they want to do. And you can be as kind and as patient as you want, but they'll face what they want to face, they'll do what they want to do, they'll give if they want to give, they'll serve if they want to serve, they'll come along if they want to come along, and it doesn't matter how patient or kind you are with them, people are sovereign beings. And there's a differentiation between who you are and who they are. Unconditional love is not to get people to do what you want them to do. Because if you take Jesus, he feeds thousands and thousands of people, and then he gives a talk and says, actually, in the future, you're going to eat my blood and eat my flesh. And 5,000 people walk away. I mean, his love of feeding them was not in order to manipulate them so that he could create a following in order to become a, a, a really influential person. They walk away, and then he says to his friends, his disciples, are you going to go as well? So he lets them go. The ten lepers, only one comes back who was healed. The nine don't. He says, weren't there ten healed? Why have you only you come? It's radical, freeing, liberating. Jesus loved not to get people to do something he wanted to do. It was unconditional. The love of God is unconditional. Next asterisk. This is important. Unconditional love expressed in patience and kindness does not mean that you have no boundaries. Okay? To love unconditionally does not mean an invitation through patience and kindness that you become a giant doormat. <laughs> no, seriously. I haven't got time to go into many scenarios and circumstances. The, the, the scriptures are clear that actually... People are to, there's a, there's a, many of you would have stories, you, you, you might have been in, in, a, in a difficult or abusive relationship, and then you might be hearing that and thinking, if I'd only been unconditionally loving, if I'd have been this, uh, then, then that person, actually, you've got different stories, and, and the Bible gives that permission, where there's situations that are destructive and abusive, to have to make decisions that actually produce the boundary. And so it sometimes means in your employment situation, if you've been there and you've endured and you, you keep loving and you're patient and kind, but you feel that in that situation you cannot remain, you have permission. Because you, you're not trapped into this thing where, because of patience and kindness, that you never can make a choice. Yeah? So, 
the most compassionate people in the world, the most compassionate and kind people in the world, according to social scientists, have the strongest boundaries. And they're loving unconditionally, they're loving radically, they're loving with amazing open doors. Because they understand that good self-care means they can keep on giving away what they've got. Amen. And so, we all take time to put petrol in our cars, don't we? And so, we take time to get a life with life in it so that we can give life away. But we also know when we need to withdraw and recharge. Jesus knew that. Last one. God's patience and kindness are not the same as human nice. The, the counterfeit of God's unconditional kindness and patience is nice. And social scientists say that in organisations and institutions where there is a culture of nice... Underneath a culture of nice is actually a culture of human fear and the fear of people. That's what's actually driving nice cultures. So when nice meets anger, when nice meets aggression, when nice meets pouting, when nice meets bitterness, nice won't confront, it will gossip. Okay? Nice is driven by the fear of people. God's patience and kindness is not driven by fear. Jesus is courageous in his love, he's clear in his love, he's bold in his love, and he's truthful in his love. So I'm going to wrap this up now. This will stand. We need God, don't we? (laughs) We need him. So we remind ourselves we get awakened to the reality that we are loved. The reality. Do I love like God? No. (laughs) Am I loved unconditionally? Yes. Yes. We're relearning to do life God's way. That's what we're doing as a family. We're relearning. And we're living in love. We don't care what it looks like. We want to be face to face, hanging out, being with him. Not gritted teeth and white knuckles and pull your socks up. No, no, no. We're living in love. And then we decide out of that love to lovingly serve people. And so, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see the people around us. Give us eyes to see how we can unconditionally love our neighbour, how we can unconditionally love the person at work. Give us creative solutions of what does it mean to see people and know them and notice them. Slow us down, God. Give us some margins in our week, in our commutes and travel time. Even setting out Deciding I'm going to leave 10 minutes before I need to because if I see somebody that I want to love unconditionally, I'm going to need some time. So I'm banking that into my planning. (coughs) And right now, Holy Spirit, we 
say, would you break off any disappointment and discouragement from the past where we have loved unconditionally and we got hurt and said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I got burnt before. I'm not doing that ever, ever again. And we say, God, would you come in right now with healing balm and heal hearts and heal minds and help people, help us not to withdraw our love, to not disconnect from people, but to love radically and unconditionally out of an overflow of receiving love. So right now we speak against any cynicism, any disbelief or distrust, any withdrawal of the heart and disconnection from people. And we, we say, God, we want to love well and love radically and love unconditionally. Help us embrace Jesus Christ, your definition of the church. And what you want to do for your bride. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.